You're listening to a podcast from Victory. Discover what it means to be the church in week four of the Apostles' Creed. We have been going through a series called the Apostles' Creed, okay? And uh, we have reached our fourth week. We are right smack at the middle of what we're doing today or what we're preaching. But I want to, you know, basically camp on the purpose of the creed, okay? Many of you understand that you know, the creed probably growing up in a Roman Catholic faith, which, you know, I was part of, we've uh, memorized this in school. We've, uh, you know, it was taught to us, ingrained to us. You know, after so long a time, I didn't think I'd be using this again, but here it is. I said, what? We're using it in church? In victory? Yeah. So I said, okay, let's look at the creed. What's in it? So the past few weeks, we have been discussing about, you know, creed meaning I believe or credo in, in Latin which means I believe. Now, the purpose of the creed really is, number one, is to define, okay? Define. The creed really gives us a brief outline of the central truths of the gospel. In other words, it wants to bring that clarity, especially to the, you know, to the early churches is very important, okay? We need to bring clarity to the gospel truth. Second of all, the purpose of the creed is to defend. Why? Because there were people going against the faith and, you know, in order to guard the, the heresy to guard the, the interpretation of the gospel, the first uh, church. Thirdly, the purpose of the creed is to declare. Everybody say declare. Yeah. Okay. Declare. Why? Because a lot of people didn't know how to read during that time. So people needed to declare this. It was part of it. And when it did, it, it actually formed their spiritual growth. So the amazing thing about the Apostles' Creed is that it really built the faith of the believers before even today, all right? So, the Apostles' Creed. How many of you know the Apostles' Creed? Come on. Yes, all right. We're going to read it just quickly. And I want you to be, you know, to read with me. Ready? One, two, three. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. You know, what's really interesting about this creed, you know, if you look at these two words, I believe... It is found strategically placed in three sections of this Apostles' Creed. One that refers to, I believe in God, the Father, right? I believe in Jesus Christ. And I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, I, you know, as I was looking at this, I said, wow. You know, the, the, the first fathers really wrote this for a purpose. And the reason why is because of this doctrine, which is the doctrine of the Trinity, now, many of us probably, we're all having a hard or difficult time understanding the Trinity. We know that there is only one God, but yet in three persons. Now, I know that's hard to imagine. It's really hard to understand. But, you know, we are all God's creation. How many of you know that? We are the creatures of God. And, you know, there is no creature that can really understand the Creator. Kind of like, you know, today we've gone a, a long, long way in terms of technology, right? We have the computers, and the inventor of the computers now, it's just an amazing thing. You know, computers do a lot of work for us, but they cannot understand the maker. 
you just shut it down and it's over, right? It's the same thing. We are created beings, but we cannot really understand who our God is, right? But the Bible speaks of the evidence of this. You talk about the Trinity, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You're talking about, wow, three different personalities in one God. Why do we know this? Look at Genesis, the first time, the beginning, the, 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 the world was you know, formless and the Spirit of God was hovering in darkness. And then the spoken word of God, God says, let there be light. And what happened? Light came. And of course, the spoken word really is Jesus. Word, which is, you know, everything was made through him and in him. We know that Jesus, he is the word that became flesh, that dwelt among us. So at this one point in time, in Genesis, we know that Jesus, God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were one. So we talk about week one, we've talked about God the Father. Week two, we've talked about Lord Jesus. And week three, we've talked about the Holy Spirit. And today, we'll talk about, on week four, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, etc., etc. But what does it really mean to believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints? Now, the best way really to approach this is go really to the very, very first, the origin of church. Have you ever wondered or have you ever asked the question, who started a church anyway? You know, I've been in church so long a time, I don't even understand why I'm here. I've been attending church because my parents told me to attend church, you know? But let's dig deep and understand what, who invented the church? Whose idea? Whose concept? And I want you to stand with me today as we open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 to 19. Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 to 19. Turn with me if you have your Bibles with you. Let's all read this. Matthew 16, verse 15 to 19. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? This is Jesus. Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In verse 17, it says, Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood does not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Verse 18 says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord God, that you will open our hearts and our minds, Lord God. May we truly understand what the Holy Catholic Church is all about. Holy Spirit, guide us through this. Bless the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last night, as I was preparing the message, my, my uh, seven-year-old daughter just entered the room. And of course, my wife was saying, you know, uh, Colleen, please don't disturb dad. But she kept on, you know, going in that room. So finally, I said, okay, you could stay. You could hear daddy preach. So, so you know, she was there. Uh, was hearing me. So I was preaching to my daughter. I was talking to her. So with, with all, you know, trying to be on fire and all of that. And, you know, she goes on, come on, dad, yes. Yes, seven-year-old, okay, seven-year-old. She was on the bed, so I was just practicing. I was doing this, I was doing that. And right in the middle of, my, of, that, of the message last night, guess what? It, it was so silent. So I wondered, why, what happened? She's gone? And I looked at her, she was already sleeping. <laughs> so my prayer today is that none of you will fall asleep in my preaching. Okay, so give me the slack. I don't get to preach every Sunday, but, you know, thank you. 
thank you for uh, thank you pastor Ariel for giving me this honor anyway you know many many years ago when i attended you know that that church okay uh, i grew up really in a church that was pretty much you know passive where people are stoic you know, people didn't mind you um, I was a passive guy. I didn't like church. Uh, in fact, if, uh, if you saw me before, the only time I go to church probably is during Christmas or Easter. And, uh, that's about it. And, you know, my, my, my parents would, or my mom would literally drag me out of the bed to go to church. And church for me was a, you know, that's not for me. So, growing up, I took that to heart. And I, you know, the mindset about church is just that. But one day, I met a beautiful girl who was attending another church. And I said to myself, you know, if you fall in love with a beautiful woman, what do you do? You pursue that person with all your heart. Whatever it takes, you will go and find that woman and you'll be with that woman. So I followed this woman all the way from, remember, I'm, I'm, from the, I'm from the mountains, okay? I live in Baguio. From north to south, she was from here, from Paranaque. So I had to, you know, brave the lahar, okay? Before that time, you know, there was the lahar, there was the earth. I had to brave all those bad roads just to be with her every single week, pursuing this person all the way to the church we now call Victory. So I pursued this woman. I said, whatever it takes. But remember, I'm the passive type. Remember, I, I don't like church, okay? Uh, in fact, you see me at the back of the church all the time. And I mean, back of the church, you know, outside the doors of the church, that's where you'll find me. But going into victory for the very first time, it was the weirdest experience ever. You know, people were just smiling. The ushers were saying, welcome to victory. Good morning. You know, it's kind of weird. I said, what's this that I got into? But of course, you know, when you're in love, right? You know, you'd really fight for that woman. I said, yes, I'm going to go. So I went there, sat down with, with Lucci, now my wife. I said, I'm going to be here. I'm going to do it. Then here comes the music. Everybody was, was shouting. I said, whoa, why are you shouting? You know, in our church, we don't shout, okay? We just stay put. We just, we're just quiet. You know, it's the house of God. And in fact, you know, I was wondering why we were meeting in a, Shang- in, in a cinema in Shangri-La Mall. I said, what are we doing here? But we were there. They were lifting up their hands, and for the very first time, I saw people lifting up their hands, worshiping God. And I said, oh no, what cult is this? <laughs> what did I get into myself? But then again, of course, you know, you're, you're in love with this beautiful woman. They said, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pursue her. But, you know, all throughout, throughout the, you know, the, through time, uh, you know, being in, in victory, I've always remained basically the, the person that's distant, you know, don't want to talk to anybody. You know, if, if Chinky Tan was here, Chinky Tan was the only guy that pursued me, even the phone. Uh, we used to have that pager. He'd page me. He'd call me. I mean, this is just everywhere, this guy. Relentless Chinky Tan, you know. But I managed to, you know, get away. Finally, they birthed a church here in Alabang, and I said, wow, finally I don't have to drive all the way. I just have to be here. So I did. So basically, my, my first few years here in, in, in Alabang was okay. I'm there, but I'm not there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but one day came in 1999. My son, Nathan, was about three years old. He suffered five different kinds of sicknesses all at one time. He had uh, pneumonia. 
He had typhoid fever. He had UTI. He had ear infection. He had primary complex. And yeah, think about that. All five of them there, you know, that was not the best times. In fact, it was the most trying times of our lives. Why? Because I lost my business. I didn't have anything. I was discouraged. You know, and I'm attending victory, and all people are just smiling. You know, what's this weird people doing? You know, and the very first person that entered that hospital room was not my friend. The very first person that entered that room was not a relative, a family member. Uh, the very first person that entered that room was six, was a six footer. His name is June Lee. So for some of you who know June Lee, June Lee comes in and says, Hi, my name is June. I'm from Victory. No, totally, he's not a pastor. He's nobody. He's just a church member. I probably saw him in church because he's the tallest guy in church. But, you know, that kind of something broke in my mindset about church. Totally changed my whole perspective of church. This man was there, not a family member, not a friend, but he was there. He was a church person. Totally changed everything. I have this cap. It's a, it's a victory cap. It's not for sale, but it's a memorabilia of uh, the very first few years of Victory Alabang here. And behind this cap is actually written this caption, I love this church. I've treasured this cap for many years because I truly love this church. This is where I found true friends. This is where I found genuine friends. This is where I found mentors like Pastor June, mentors like Pastor Ariel, Pastor Jojo. I grew up in this church. And, you know, there's so many things that, that we can get out of church. The life of the church, very vibrant, very genuine. You don't see this anywhere else but in church. But there are people who don't love the church. There are people who just like the church. It's, I like the church kind of people. Uh, these are the people who, you know, who would come to church and say, you know, what's in it for me? What can church do for me? Siginga, what is this pastor going to preach on? They like the church probably because of the music. The music team, praise God. But I don't like that pastor's soul preaching. I just like the music. Okay? Or probably, you know, I don't like the preaching of Pastor Saul. So I'm going to go to festival. I'm going to get this other preaching from Pastor Sonny. And I'm saying so. You know, it's, it's a consumer type of, of, of church. You know, if, if, if I were to, you know, get this, if I'm, if I get offended here, ah, this is not my church. I'm going to go to the other church. They're called the church hoppers, the church butterflies. They cannot stay put. They cannot, cannot engage, cannot devote themselves in church because it's a consumer type of Christianity. They don't like the church. Some actually are church bystanders. Just like me, I love to stand outside the church. <laughs> and there are also what we call the bench warmers. You know, the one that would, you know, warm their chairs while listening to the, you know, just, I just want to be here. I just don't want to, you know. There are what we call also the Bondi, Bondi clock, um, um, church people. You know, they just clock in every Sunday, clock out, kind of like me being obligated by my parents to be here. But there are also people who hate the church. What? Yes, they hate the church. Why? Because they think the church is an organized religion. Yeah, an organized religion. I mean, think about this. If Victory, Victory was not an organized church, wow, a disorganized church, I don't know where we'll be. 
after 30 years. We've been together for 30 years. If we've been that disorganized, although we are at times, but there's still organization. But praise God. This is, you know, you know, God, God is a God of order, right? And He has established many leaders in our, in our congregation. We have our lead pastors. We have our senior pastors. We have pastors of pastoral care. So we have a lot of them. And these are people leading this church. And without them, we'll be in this array. Okay? Of course, if it was an organized crime church, that's another story. But there are also people out there in the world that look at our church as a divided church. Many incidents have happened in the past where Christian churches have divided. Okay, they've divided into half. From half, they became one-fourth. From one-fourth, they became one-eighth. You know what I'm saying? They're all dividing. Okay? In fact, there are so many names of churches like Victory, like J-I-L, C-C-F, G-C-F, and all the Fs, and in, you know, including I bind you Satan in the name of Jesus Christian Fellowship. You know, Remember that time? There are so many churches, church names, so many different denominations as well. We have what? The Lutherans, the Presbyterians, the Methodists, the Southern Baptists, the Conservative Baptists, Bible Baptists, University Baptists, Anabaptists, Alliance, Assemblies of God, and so on and so forth. Now, if you are the world looking at church, boy, it's just kind of confusing, right? Now think about that. Probably that was probably my view of church. But the question today we need to answer is this. What kind of church should we really believe in then? What kind of church are we saying in the Apostles' Creed that, you know, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church? What is that? If you go, if you go to our, the scripture that we've read in Matthew chapter 16, now remember Jesus was there and he asked his apostles, remember this? He, he went to ask, who do you say I am? And then Peter says, uh, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, wow, you know, blessed are you, Peter. You know, blessed, meaning you're highly favored because no human being has revealed this to you but my Father who is in heaven. It was a revelation not by a human being but God Himself. And what did Jesus say? And I tell you, you are what? Peter. In Hebrew word, Peter, Petros, means small rock, small pebble. And it says, and on this rock, meaning Petros, which is a bigger rock, the larger rock, saying that on this big rock of revelation, what was the revelation? The revelation was that Jesus is the Christ. You need to understand that for, the, for many, many, or for quite a long time, Israel has been waiting for the Christ. And he was there. Jesus was ministering before people, you know, laying, laying his hands to the sick, creating those miracles. It's just an amazing sight. And yet people don't know, except at one time, Simon gets a revelation. And Jesus said, because of this revelation that I am the Christ, I will build my church. Now you need to understand this. We, we don't go further from this. If Jesus is not the Christ, there's no church. He says there, I will build my church. Jesus is the builder, not the pastor. You know, I appreciate Pastor Steve. You know, if this whole movement was about Pastor Steve, then you will see Pastor Steve in the monitors every Sunday. You know, because there's only one man who could preach. But no, he raised up leaders. We're about raising leaders. That's who we are. Jesus is the builder. 
And he says, I will, meaning he promises that. He's certain that this will come. I will build my church. Doesn't matter what you think about the church. It doesn't matter if you think that the church is divided. It doesn't really matter if there's so many churches, although there are local churches. It doesn't really matter because Jesus says that I will build my church. You know, for us pastors, this is really liberating. It takes the burden out because it is Jesus building the church. It's not us. Remember the Apostle Paul says that, you know, uh, someone, someone plants, someone waters, and ultimately it is God who makes it grow. God is. In other words, if I were to look at what kind of church I'd like to believe in, I'd like to believe in, in a church where Jesus is the builder. Jesus is the builder. The church is not built on any man. Let me read to you something from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. The Apostle Paul was saying about the church. He said that, this is the church, says, Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now Jesus is the builder of the church, yet he called some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, pastors, some to be victory group leaders. Okay, that's how many victory group leaders do we have? You must shout, woohoo! But 9%. Okay, praise God. This we have 9%. But these are the people that, you know, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets. But Jesus is the cornerstone. In other words, everything has to be founded in Him. Nothing else, okay? Leaders. But it's quite interesting that the church that, God, that Jesus is building is full of people with so many, quote-unquote, uh, weaknesses, right? But it's just amazing how God has used our weakness to build His church. I mean, we're not perfect. Our pastors are not perfect. Our leaders are not perfect. But praise God, because Jesus is the builder of this church. And that's the reason why we're growing. Jesus, in other words, can birth a church. He can establish a church. He can also grow the church. It's not about us. Amen. So what kind of church that I'd like to believe in? Number two is a holy Catholic church. So probably many of you are looking at me. This is it. This is it. This is it. Pastor, are you saying that we are Catholics? Um, before I answer that, let us dig deep into history. Let's take you back to the history when the Apostles' Creed was made. You need to understand that the Apostles' Creed was made in the second century, in 200 AD. By this time, there were about five, five centers of Christianity. The first one is Jerusalem. Second one is in Alexandria. Third one is in Antioch. Fourth one is in Constantinople. And the last one is in Rome. But the, the, the most powerful or most influential among the five centers of Christianity is one in Rome. And of course, Constant, Constantinople, where Emperor Constantine basically made a decree in Rome saying that this time on, our religion will be Christianity. So that happened. What happened? There was some, uh, some arguments, of course, just like any church, there were this, this, or there were arguments, uh, with, with doctrines and all. So what happened? 
Constantine built Constantinople and the one that was left in Rome became more influential. And in the 5th century, Leo the Great, okay, the bishop of that, of that center in Rome, decided that I will be Pope. He says that uh, I have preeminence, meaning I am superior among the other bishops around the churches. So from the 5th century down to the 10th century, guess what? On the 10th century, they have formalized the Apostles' Creed as the Roman Catholic Church. But you need to know this, that the Apostles' Creed was already made, you know, many, many centuries before the Roman Catholicism. So what, do we, what are we saying? What does it really mean to be Catholic? It's very simple. Catholic means universal. It's just really simple. When you say Catholic, universal, it means all-embracing, meaning including all the Christians, okay? You know, the Apostle John wrote this in Revelations. He had a vision of what's going to happen, you know, in, in the future when the whole church will come and meet the bride. Of course, we know that the church is the bride and we'll meet the groom who is Jesus, the Lamb, right? And he said this in, in uh, Revelations chapter 5, verse 9b, says, For you were slain, referring to Jesus, and by your blood you ransomed people, for God from what? Every tribe and language and people and nation. Amazing. Picture this, okay? At the end of everything, the church, the bride, will meet the groom, okay? This is when Jesus will effectively destroy every barrier of race, color, ethnic background, social class, education, and occupation, and all the shans. All of these things, God will break. You know why? Because Jesus is looking to a universal church. Yes, this is Victory Christian Fellowship. We are a local church, but we are part of the universal church of God. It's amazing. Jesus is not after exclusivity. He doesn't want the church only for this kind of people or this kind of people. He wants to see everybody there. And that's the whole reason we cannot have a church saying that we are the only church. We're not claiming victory. It's not claiming that we are the only church that will go to heaven. No, we're not. We are part of the universal church. Now, the church, the church is really the communion or the fellowship of all the saints, meaning of all God's people, which brings us to this. We do believe in the communion of saints. Of course, you're going to ask me again, Pastor, is this communion, the Holy Communion, we come on a Sunday once a month or, you know? No, it's not. The communion of saints really refers to believers in the past, believers now in the present, and believers in the years to come sharing a common salvation in our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. That is common. That's, that's the communion of saints. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. The Apostle Paul says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, okay, from a different planet. But you are fellow citizens with who? The saints, okay? You don't have to be dead to be a saint, okay? You don't have to wait for the church to canonize you to be a saint. You are a saint. Living and the dead, we are all saints. Why? Because we have something in common. We have the communion of saints. And you know, what's the impact of this? 
It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. As saints all together, past, present, and the future, we will come together and we will share something that is common. And mind you, we have benefits being a saint of God. We have been forgiven through His death and saved by His life. Second, we have been set free from the law of sin and death. Third, we have passed from spiritual death to eternal life. Third, we have been permanently adopted, what? As children of God. We have become God's handiwork to do good works that He has prepared for us in advance. That's what we, that's what Ephesians says. And we have all been given an eternal home in this new Jerusalem, in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are just but a few of the common benefits that all of us have together. Isn't that amazing? That's the kind of church I'd like to believe in. Lastly is this. It's a missional church. Missional church. Let me go back to Matthew 16. Remember this? Going back to our, our main scripture. Jesus says, And I tell you, you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the what? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Did you ever wonder why Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail it? Have you ever seen a gate, you know, advancing? You know, this is the gate and, you know, kind of like that door. Have you seen that door advancing or, you know, attacking? No, it's not. But there's some truth to what Jesus is saying, that the enemy, devil, the devil or Satan is just on a defense mode. We are a church not just to sit around and feel good about it. We are a church that is slowly advancing the kingdom of God. You realize that we are given. The Bible says, in, in fact, in, in verse 19, it says, Jesus says, I will give you what? The keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind here on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose here on earth will be loose in heaven. What is he saying? Jesus is giving us the key. Key is given to a person to give him authority, to unlock, to open. You give the key to your supervisor, you give the key to your manager, you're giving him the authority. Jesus is giving us, the church, the authority. To what? To go against the kingdom of darkness. You know why? Because out there, the world, the world out there is where Satan has so much influence. It's a dark world. And that, my friends, as we advance the kingdom of God, as we touch people's lives, if you will be like June Lee or one of, you know, you could be basically the answer to somebody's prayer. You could go to a hospital that you really don't know this person and just pray for this person, the person will get well. You could be the person that will, you, that will bring the light to the darkness of Satan, to, to where that gate is and ram that gate and put the glory of God into that gate. All of us have been given the authority, but yet most of us, not most, but not here probably, but there are some who are bystanders, bench warmers, just like me before. But guess what? God has called you and I. Can you look at your neighbor and say to that person, God has called you? Yeah. Called you to what? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. And this is it. 
For what you were called? You were called out of darkness. You've been chosen. You are now a royal priesthood. You're no longer, you know, a slave to sin. You are a holy nation, meaning you've been set apart for what? That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of where? Darkness into His marvelous light. We have been given that mandate. You have been given that authority to make a difference in this world. Many people out there, you know, the world actually is in hell. Think about that. Why do I say this? It's riddled with so many negative things, bad things, corruption, discouragement, fear. I mean, think about the world that, that goes beyond this after a Sunday service. That's the world that we live into. And yet Jesus says that you are the salt and light of the earth. You cannot hide your light, but you can lose your saltiness if you don't do anything about what God has given you. You see, in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, understand this, you know, Jesus, before He was lifted up, okay, before He ascended into heaven, He said this to His disciples. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Trinity, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of age. So I guess the question really lies in why church? So why? Very simple. The church is God's plan for the future of humanity. There's no other plan. Jesus has already given his life for the world, and who will take the Gospels to different places, who will advance the kingdom of God, if that's you and me. Are you here this morning? Can you look around and say, that's you and me? Come on. Come on. That's you and me. You've got to, you've got to see this. Last week, we've uh, had a conference. It's called our Discipleship Conference in 20. Yeah, it's called Discipleship 2016. And we'd like to highlight this event to you so that you can hopefully catch what God is doing, building His church. Understand that Jesus is building His church. There was about 10,700 people, disciples coming together at one point, being given the charge to go and make disciples. And how many of us are here? Are we making disciples? Are you part of a small group? Are you part of a ministry? You know, don't be a bench warmer. I hope you won't be that consumer type of Christian. But I want you to really be engaged in what God is doing. You, you can make a difference in the world. Somebody reached out to you. That's why you're here today. It's just amazing how we could just be, feel comfortable where we are. You know, let me, let me in fact challenge you today. If, if you've been a victory group leader the long, long time and you've not, you know, you have not been leading anybody to the Lord, maybe it's time to grab a hold of that Bible again. Maybe it's time that you talk to somebody. Maybe it's time just to reach out and pray for somebody. Can we just all stand right now? Let's just bow our heads. I just want to pray for you. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads right now. You know, 
if you feel that, you know, Lord, I've been sitting here so long a time. I think I need to do your will now. I think that, you know, enough is enough. I've been so comfortable. I'd like right now to be charged again by your spirit to go and advance the church. Lord, the church, Lord, will stay. We can be dead by tomorrow, but the church will continue on until it will meet the groom. If that is you today, you're saying, God, I think I need to be charged by your spirit. Can you lift it up before right now, before God today? Lord, that's you. Just lift it up before God. Say, Lord, that's me. Holy Spirit, would you just come and empower your people, Lord God, to see your heart for the nations, to see the heart for the, for the people who are lost out there, to see the world according to how you see it. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that none of us here will just remain calm or comfortable in our seats, but let us, Lord God, be empowered, charged, Lord, by your Spirit to go and make disciples of all nations. Lord, empower us, Lord God, Lord, I pray, Lord God, that signs and wonders will follow us, Lord God. That when we pray for the sick, Lord God, they will get well. When we pray for breakthroughs, breakthroughs will come. Lord, let your manifest presence accompany us. You said, Lord, you said in your word that you will be with us at the very end of age, Lord God. So today, Lord, we claim your word that you are with us. And Lord, thank you, Lord God. And after this, Lord God, we will change our perspective and view of church, Lord God. Church is not the building. Church is about what you are doing in this world. Lord, thank you, Lord God, that you have called us into your glorious light. And today, Lord God, we just worship you and declare that you are the center of our lives, the center of this church in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to one of our podcasts. We hope it blesses and inspires you to honor God and make disciples. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victory.org.ph or download the Victory app for free on the iTunes Store or Google Play. If you would like to share a story of God's faithfulness in your life, please visit victory.org.ph slash mystory.